0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 61, Those Funny Little Dice. Hey everybody, welcome back. I myself am also fresh back from vacation. I took two weeks off, was in upstate New York, had a lot of fun. Um, did a lot less gaming and solitaire gaming especially than I had planned to do. You know, I am okay with that. So that being said, I don't have a lot for today's show. I have two items of news. First up, you should check up Jacob Kuhn's series on solo gaming at IndieCardboard.com. Uh, I'll include a link to that. It's really interesting articles. The second piece of news is related to the uh, interview I'm doing on the show, on this episode. Hostage Negotiator is now live on Kickstarter. If it's a game you think is interesting, you should check it out and back it. I think it's a really fun game. I got a chance to playtest it. And I'm really excited about it. It's got a $5,000 funding go, and it is only about $2,000 away from that. Less than that at this point. It's only been live for about six hours, I think, or so. So that really is it for the news. Um, Next up, I'm going to talk about the hot games on the Solitaire Games on Your Table Geek List. I forgot to talk about it at the end of May um so let me start with that okay I'm gonna tell you the top five ranked game and there's about nine of them or eight of them number ranked well at number five we have flashpoint fire rescue the hunters and mage Knight at f- with eight plays each at fourth place we have Navajo wars at third place we have sentinels of the multiverse with 11 plays at third place that was third place at second place we have hang, hang on a second five four three two one let me let me start over fifth place is flashpoint fire rescue the hunters and Mage Knight fourth place is Navajo Wars third place is sentinels of the multiverse second place is rally man and it and this time we have a tie for first place first time I've seen that which is everything versus everything and Space Hulk Death Angel Now, the interesting thing here is that all these games are hot this month for a reason. Most of these had uh, solitaire challenges going on, so a lot of people played them. I know that's true for Rally Man and Sentinels of the Multiverse, and probably Space Hulk. I also know everything versus everything. Uh, The designer, Chad, sent out a bunch of copies for people to review and play, so it's been getting played a lot. I have a copy, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I do look forward to trying it, and I think it'll probably be the next episode I do finally. I had it with me on vacation. I brought it. I finally was ready to play it one night. I put out the rules and, oh, it uses a deck of cards and I didn't bring one. Oops. So I didn't get to play it then. Anyway, so that's me. I'm also going to mention the top five games, but this time there's a lot more of them. There's actually 15 top five games. So let me blitz through this list if I can. Fifth place we have D-Day at Omaha Beach. Wow, that's a big game. Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Lewis and Clark Gears of War and Flashpoint Fire Rescue in 4th place we have Warhammer Invasion which is a deck, well not deck building game it's a CCG I think or at least an LCG so it's interesting that it's on here, I'm pretty sure it's not solitaire out of the box hmm uh, also in 4th place Memoir 44, another game that's not solitaire 3rd place Navajo Wars no I'm sorry still 4th place 3rd place Galaxy Defenders and Legendary a Marvel deck building game 2nd um, place we have Eldritch Horror and Star Realms and 1st place Robinson Crusoe Mage Knight and Sentinels of the Multiverse and I forget to say how many plays each of those is 1st place was 10 plays each 5th place was 6th place each, so basically it increased by 1 each time. Um, so anyway, that's the hot plays for June. You know, I'm noticing a lot of the games are games from the challenges and that sort of thing, and I'm really tempted to start excluding those, but then the problem is that it becomes a lot more work to do this, because because this list comes to you thanks to Sean Austin's hard work to generate it, and uh, all I do is read out the numbers really so if I added that caveat where I'm ignoring uh, monthly challenges, suddenly my work becomes actually more complicated. Probably not a lot more, but I don't know. I kind of don't want to take it on right now. Anyway, so that enough of that. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview today. I talked to AJ Porfidio. This was about two, about three weeks ago before going on vacation. I wanted to talk to him about Hostage Negotiator. The project is live now, so you can go to the Kickstarter page and check that out. I'd like to welcome back AJ Porfidio, uh, owner of Rider Games and designer of a few solitaire games. Hey, AJ, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Albert, doing good.
0: Um, I'm glad you could be here to talk because uh, I'm really excited. I've been waiting for Hostage Negotiator to come out, and you finally mentioned you're going to have a Kickstarter for it, so, so I got really excited to get a chance to talk to you about this game.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, honestly, I thought it would have been out before now, but uh, just life happens. And you've
0: been you know, busy publishing to make other stuff. Sure,
1: yeah, I wanted to make sure it was it was perfect. And but I'm excited. The, the time is now. So very cool. It's great.
0: So, so, what is Hostage Negotiator? You want to tell the listeners about it first?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, Hostage Negotiator is, as you mentioned, a solitaire game, and as Your core audience, I think, will will be interested in that, um, being it's a one-player podcast. (laughs) But uh, So it's essentially a game where you as the player are playing as the hostage negotiator, and the game essentially plays out over a number of different conversations that you have with the abductor, who is the person who's taken the hostages. So uh, you're playing conversation cards and resolving them, trying to uh, you know, decrease the hostage taker's threat level. Uh, you're trying to get conversation points so you can buy more uh, and powerful cards. And then you're, of course, and most importantly, trying to save the hostages and capture or eliminate the abductor.
0: Okay. Um, you know, I, I remember now, I should tell listeners, I did talk to you about a year and a half ago about this game. And I, well, I interviewed you and I talked to you about, uh, if I if I'm going down.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then we also talked about this game. So if, yep. if a new, listeners new to the show, they may want to go back and hear that episode. Um, so this game has been in development for a while. Uh, has it changed a lot since then?
1: Uh, it's been a couple years. Yeah. And, and it's, it has changed some since then. um, you, the play testers such as yourself may not notice um, necessarily. Uh, I know for you it's probably been a little while since you, or at least since uh, the version you got, you know, so a few things have changed. But uh, the core of the game is much the same. Uh, but, you know, balance tweaks and things like that, there's been some, some changes from that respect. And, then of course, you know, art's been completed, uh, graphic design, things like that. Um, so, you know, the, the playtesters may not notice huge differences from when they, when they played it, but, uh, there definitely have been some changes and, and there may be some things that they do notice and, and you notice as well. Um, so it just all depends on, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when the last time you played was, but, uh, I'm certain that there's been a few changes since then.
0: Okay, It's been a long time. Um. I think it was december of 2012 or so
1: yeah so <laughs> one of the cool things uh wow that's a long time yeah
0: it's, you know i keep one this is one of the games that i, I keep thinking man i really want to go and play this again yeah doing a podcast uh, i just don't have the time to go back to the games as much as i used to before
1: yeah to be fair i mean you were you were involved from pretty early on so uh i think at that point the game was probably only less than a year in development um so, but that's cool, man. Like I've, I'm so thrilled with the, the playtesters I got for hostage negotiator. I mean, it really is, in my opinion, an all-star group of people. Um, you know, yourself, Mikolaj, like Zinsky, who's the lead playtester. Uh, I, I say that wrong every time. I think it's Mikolai actually. Um, but, and he's of course a, a listener to your show. Uh, but he's been great, and he's doing the hundred play challenge on BGG. Actually, he's been doing that with Hostage Negotiator, which, what, at the time he started, it wasn't even a fully completed game. So that's really cool. And then some great designer friends of mine: Chevy Dodd, uh, Grant Rodiak, Jason Slingerlin, and others. Um, TC Petty of Viva Java fame. Uh, just a really great list of people who have playtested and given feedback, uh, and each one of their feedbacks and yours has all contributed to making Hostage Negotiator what it is.
0: Oh, very cool. So you say the game's been in development for, I guess at this point, over two years. What is that process like? I mean, I imagine this isn't your only job. This is not your day job. So so you can't spend all your time on it. But what is that development process like?
1: Yeah, that's you're exactly right. So for me, in Van in Rider games, I mean, I'm, I consider myself in, in – my company is sort of a micro-publisher,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and my goal is to put out one to two games a year, and I'm perfectly content and happy with that. Um, so, you know, I, I generally choose one, maybe two games to focus on at a time, and, you know, Hostage Negotiator has been there, and it was kind of in the in the top priority spot, uh, and then I went to Umpub and found Tessin, which is mm-hmm. a, a real-time two-player game, and I sort of shifted focus to that to produce that, uh, last year. And so that was a pretty polished game and took about six months of development. So, you know, for a while there, I just, I didn't have as much time to spend on hostage, Neg- hostage negotiator. But once that sort of wrapped up and that Kickstarter was successful and complete and got the game produced, then I, I shifted back to hostage negotiator and, you know, it's gone full bore since the beginning of this year to the point where we are now, which is is ready to launch on
0: Kickstarter. Um, so can you tell me more about what the game itself is like, um, the components and the gameplay and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, so uh, going in a little more detail, I guess, um, you know, each there's there's three phases in a turn, basically. And the first phase of a turn is the conversation phase. Uh, And this is when you're playing your conversation cards and thematically when you are actually having a conversation with the abductor. So there are different cards like, you know, small talk. You may just try to, you know, try to get his guard down a little bit by having some small talk with him Uh, from all the way from there to something like a bold lie uh, where you're really trying to. To tell them a, a big lie to make something happen. Um, and then there's even things like snipers, you know, take the shot uh, to try to take out the abductor. Uh, all, you know, all units get in there, you know, sending in the SWAT team basically. Um, and so, and obviously that stuff happens while you're distracting the abductor, you know, on the phone conversation. Okay. Um, so you're doing that. You you resolve those cards and you roll you roll dice. And how many dice you get to roll is dependent on the threat level. So if he's if you've successfully calmed him down, you will get to roll more dice uh, and have more chance of being successful. Whereas if he's if you've angered him and he's very mad, uh, you will roll less dice. So uh, you roll the dice and it, for every five or six you get, that's going to be a success and there are three different levels on each card. Uh, zero successes is a failure, one success, and then two plus successes. And so how successful you are at resolving the cards, you know, d- dictates what benefits or consequences you get. Uh, so from there, once you do that, you, you move on to the spend phase, as I'm calling it now. I think it was something different when you played. Uh, but it's, it's the spend phase, which is when you get to spend conversation points. And purchase new cards. So, people who are familiar with deck building will will definitely uh, understand the mechanics for this game. But it's there's no deck. I call it hand building because every card you purchase from the available area goes directly into your hand and is available during the next turn. So there's no randomness from a deck. You know, in terms of what cards you're going to get, uh, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, which I think is pretty cool and lets you kind of strategize and, and decide how you want to uh, tackle the challenges the game throws at you.
0: That's right. And after you've used a the card, they go back to that pool of available cards.
1: Well, uh, yes. So the way it works is and it's an important distinction. When you use a card on a turn, uh, you do the spin phase first, and then cards you used on that turn go back in the available area. So you can't purchase cards that you just played this turn in the same turn. So you have to wait until the following turns. I wanted to do that so that you couldn't just spam you know, one card if you just like wanted to keep doing the same one over and over, uh, which didn't make sense thematically and also wouldn't work mechanically. Um, and there's mm-hmm. at most two copies of any one given card. So... You're going to have to find a good mix of, of different cards for, for the conversation. Uh, and then finally, after the spin phase, after you've bought all your cards and they've gone into your hand, you're going to resolve a terror card. So, this is representing what's happening between conversations. Uh, usually, it will have something to, to do with the abductor, but not always. It could be a hostage escape attempt, for example, um, or something else. Uh, but generally, you'll flip a terror card and it, it will do something like, he, you know, the abductor's getting angry and his threat level will increase, or he'll be so mad he may kill a hostage, uh, or even there's there's a card in there where the, the abductor may have a moment of weakness and release a hostage. So most of them are, are not positive, but there are a few in there that, that could actually help you um, from time to time. And there's... There's uh, enough of those tarot cards uh, that you don't use every single one of them every game, so it varies from play to play which tarot cards you'll get in the deck. And then at the very bottom of the tarot deck, there's a pivotal event tarot card. So the game sort of has a timer built into the terror deck where if you are unable to, to resolve or draw a tarot card... you basically run out of time, he kills the hostages and escapes. So when you get to that last pivotal event card, it's usually or it's always a pretty significant thing that happens and you have essentially one turn after that to uh, save the rest of the hostages and capture or eliminate the abductor. It sounds like
0: a tense Uh, experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going for, right? I mean, I really want an immersive game and I think that's what we have. Uh, I think that you know the play testers have have agreed with that and um it's ready to go out into the wild i'm super excited at the level of excitement and enthusiasm from you know the solitaire games on your table community and the solitaire mm-hmm. community in general um it's just been fantastic so that's basically kind of in a nutshell the way a turn of the game goes um a few other things we didn't really touch on but there's there's demands, right? Because every hostage taker has their demands. So there's demand cards you can concede that do different things. Um, and then, you know, the you can actually eliminate the abductor before you save all the hostages. And in that case, there's a second-in-command essentially that comes into play and kind of changes a little bit how the how the game works uh, while you're trying to save those last few hostages.
0: Now, there's more than one uh, hostage taker actually isn't there it's not just one character every time
1: yeah absolutely so they uh with the base game there's gonna it's gonna come with three different abductors uh and they each play actually pretty differently uh, they each have a different ability and different number of starting hostages that they've taken as well as where their threat level starts
0: so each one ends up feeling a little bit different and, and you have to play it differently to to handle that individual, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there, you know, there's kind of the standard one who's pretty difficult. Um, and his name's arcane and he's, he doesn't have a special ability, but he starts, you know, with a moderate number of hostages and at a, uh, a little bit, you know, his threat levels a little more toward the red than it is the green. Um, so he could be he can definitely be a challenge even with no special ability. And then there's another one that's um, she it's a teacher that or it's a college professor that basically got passed over for tenure and she's she's angry uh, so she's taken hostages trying to get her tenure award and um, she has a lot more hostages but she starts off a little calmer so that one usually is more of a race against time whereas the other one, Arcane can be, you know, really about managing threat level and keeping it down. Um and then the third one is uh, Edward Quinn and he is he's the guy that he doesn't have health insurance and he has hijacked a floor in the hospital. If it may sound familiar, it's because it's sort of based on the movie John Q. Um but he's just trying to get care for his son. So he actually doesn't kill any hostages during the game. But if he ever hits the max threat level, he kills everyone and you lose. So, you know, each one, like I said, I mean, it could, it could definitely play totally different.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. I do like that about the game. There's there's definitely a lot of theme in it. And now, it's a really dark theme. There's, the game doesn't really feel that dark when you're playing, though, does it? It's not like... It's not going to be an intimidating game for somebody to pick up and play.
1: Yeah, I... I it's a kind of a fine line, right? Cause I'm, I want the immersion of that sort of situation and the, the tension. And I think that we've done that, but, but I think that we've not done it at the expense of, um, personalizing it, so to speak. Like none of the hostages have names or anything like that. They're just pieces. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a delicate subject matter, I guess. Um, that I wanted to definitely be careful about, but at the same time be true to the content. Like, I mean, I got feedback before. Maybe you should say, uh, you know, I forget what it was, but it was some some softer replacement word for killing hostages. or Something <laughs> like, you know...
0: Subduing uh, ho- to, or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, taking out. Maybe not. It wasn't, yeah, it was something softer, like what you said, subduing. Or like... You know, going away, I don't forget what it was. But I said, no, look, I mean, you know, it, this is what it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat around the fact that the abductor is trying to kill the hostages. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, it's not a, a happy thing, so to speak. But mm-hmm. this game is trying to represent those situations, and and I'm going to use that terminology.
0: Yeah, uh, if, if you start sugarcoating, you might as well just change the theme and make it about medieval farming or something, right? <laughs>
1: holding sheep and <laughs> lambs hostages. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, that's a game for someone else to make.
0: <laughs> Gosh. So, yeah. So I'm really excited about this and we're recording this about probably about a month before the Kickstarter happens, but because of my timeline, it's probably going to po- this podcast episode is going to be published around the same time the Kickstarter goes live. So how yes. about we talked about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, and I, uh, hopefully I'll try to give information, um, that is relevant for the time. I mean, it's going to be, you know, the Kickstarter when you're listening to this is either going on or right around the corner. Um, so really appreciate any support, uh, from your listeners, Mm -hmm. but you know, just to talk a little about, I know you wanted to know a little bit about what kind of rewards there's going to be and things like that. Um, so to kind of, to kind of, uh, keep going with the abductor conversation, we're going to actually offer uh, Abductor Packs in Ooh. the Kickstarter. So these will be uh, 15 cards or so each, and the plan is to kind of release them on a somewhat regular schedule. Uh, but oh, wow. during the Kickstarter, you can go ahead and, and pledge for those then, uh, and you'll get all of those as they come out. Uh, the first one most definitely will come with your Kickstarter rewards and potentially others. That's I'm still trying to figure out the logistics of all that, okay. uh, but I do want to do it on a regular schedule. So, in each abductor pack is going to add something new. So, you know, one of the I think it's the second one uh, is going to add, you know, a decide mechanic similar to what you find in Robinson Crusoe. I really love that, and I want to actually implement that into Hostage Negotiator. Uh, so' I've been toying with some things uh, to do that Neat. um the one of them's gonna i think the fourth one's gonna introduce um what is it stockholm uh stockholm syndrome i think is what it's called which is a syndrome where the uh, hostages actually start to uh relate to the hostage takers almost oh, like wow. they're hypnotized by them yeah it's a it's actually a real thing that happened um and so that could be a fun thing to do. Uh, one of them will be on a plane, right? It's like someone's like, like hijacked a plane,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so obviously, releasing hostages in that situation is a much different thing because you got to get the plane on the ground, they're not just going to let them walk out the building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, definitely got some cool things planned, and my hope is that it doesn't stop there. I mean, I'd like to release abductor packs as long as, as, uh, people are still enjoying the game and, and it makes sense economically and from a business perspective. So that's the kind of long-term plan for that, but that's, that's, awesome. so that's, one, that's one thing they'll see um, you'll see on the, in the campaign. Another thing you may uh, be surprised at that is a little different from probably most campaigns you've seen is I'm taking a little bit of a different strategy as far as the, um, the funding goal. So I'm actually gonna set the funding goal low at a at a relatively low level um, but to fully produce the game we're gonna need to hit uh, a higher level than that so if it hits the lower level uh, which i which right now I have it at five thousand that could change but it'll be somewhere around there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it'll be still a solidly produced game with good components what may you know, won't be top quality production like you're you know used to seeing on store shelves. Is the box or packaging maybe alternative packaging? Um, so I don't want that to happen, and I want us to hit the the higher level, which is probably going to be our somewhere around ten gram. Uh, in which case, it'll be fully produced with chipboard, you know, rigid box. Um, okay. But the reason I'm doing that is with it being a pure solitaire game. I just it's it's difficult to measure the size of the market.
0: It's a smaller have, market, so it's harder to tell, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I know we have great enthusiasm with the solitaire market, uh, but I think to push it to you know the level I want it to get to, to to fully produce it, you know, we need to get some some folks who either are interested but have never tried solitaire, or folks who just have never even thought about it before, but but. Uh, the game attracts them or the theme attracts them. And I really think, and I'm pitching this game as a sort of a gateway to solo because I really think that it can accomplish that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it plays in, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, you know, 30 minutes is probably the max you'll ever play. Um, Most games will probably play in 15 to 20 minutes relatively simple mechanics i think it's just easy to get into so i'm really kind of pitching it from that perspective
0: and it's the kind of game that you you finish playing the game after your 15 minutes you're like oh i want to try again i was so close let me let me give you just one more shot you know next thing you know a few hours have passed and you should be going to bed hours ago already (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, i'm already late so what's one more round
1: (laughs) yeah it it really does have that and that's one thing i love because for a game of that length i think that that's a that's a really good sign of that. You have a great game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know, the first time I played it, I had that feeling and that's what I did. And I was like, man, this is cool. So, so yeah, most definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am really excited about this game. I know every once in a while when, when somebody's brought it up for whatever reason, I've always nudged you on it on on the solitaire games on your table list.
1: Oh yeah. No, I really appreciate it. And, And yeah, you've always, you've been there from the very beginning. So, um, you know, Definitely, it's been a long time coming for you um, and I hope it I hope it does you proud.
0: No Dad, I'm looking forward to it <laughs> so so regarding the uh, Kickstarter, how much what's the price point for it? what do you think what are you expecting? Have you already pretty much figured out your your Kickstarter campaign or is there still stuff that needs to be worked out and even I guess the whole so,
1: so the yeah, the page is basically done. There's a few more things to change, and then of course, like I kind of mentioned, I'm still. Uh, crunching numbers and trying to figure out exactly where I want to land on funding goals as well as reward levels. So I don't want to, I won't name any specifics, but I'll go ahead and give you a range. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, for us backers with free shipping uh, in the 20, $25 range, uh, just depending for, and that's, that'll get you the game. And then the abductor packs are actually going to be add ons uh, that you can, you can add on if you want. Or you know, if not, that's fine too.
0: So, is it a single add-on, or are you adding like I don't know, five bucks per pack, or something like that? Actually,
1: you have the option, so you'll you'll get a better deal if you if you go for all the packs at mm-hmm. once. Um, but you could you could absolutely pick and choose um, if there's one that jumped out at you more. You you can't afford all of them, or or whatever the case. And um, there may be some limited items. Uh, but I, I've kind of, since if I'm going down, gone away from doing exclusives, um, but you'll still get benefits as backers. Like you'll get the first abductor pack before it's even released and probably months before. Uh, so things like that is, is what I'll do to, to kind of separate and say thanks to the, the early adopters. Uh, and there may be some other things like that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got mixed feelings about the, those exclusives too. They're neat when you get them. But then everybody else in the world is annoyed by them.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's actually a vocal minority, to be honest with you. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you can you can relate to what they're saying, right? Like, it's kind of stinks to want content and not be able to get it. Um, yeah. So, but, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's no question that exclusives work because you see time and again, you know, projects that have them kind of blow up. Yeah. Uh, but... My strategy is not to have a you know a hundred thousand dollar project. I would not say no if that happened, <laughs> but I, I'm I really just want to get the game produced and get it out in the wild. That's always my goal. So if we hit funding by you know one dollar, <laughs> then <Awesome>. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if we go over, that's great too, and and we could do some some cool things.
0: Very cool. And so, what's the uh, the timeline for the Kickstarter? You said it starts around the fifteenth.
1: Yeah, so, that, so also still still working that out, but uh, it's not going to be over thirty days, and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it's going to be more like around three weeks. Okay. Uh, I've done two of these now, and you know a month is a really long and stressful and uh, tiring time. Uh, so I think cutting a week off that is not won't necessarily lose you a ton of support, um, but I hope I'm not wrong on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gosh, I, you know, I, can't, I always hear that it's, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of stress, but I can't imagine what's involved in, in running a, camp, a Kickstarter campaign.
1: Well, just, I mean, the easiest way to think of it is you have to be engaged, you know, essentially all, every hour that you're not sleeping Um, at least that's how I feel like a campaign should be run. I don't want you to send me a question through Kickstarter and have to wait 24 hours, 48 hours, or even not getting an answer at all. I just, I think that's unacceptable. I think communication is key. Um, So, you know, I've always, at least to this point, thanked every single backer that's, that's pledged. I, you know, try to answer questions as fast as possible when I get them. And I mean, ultimately just take care of the backers. I mean, treat them how you would want to be treated. Um, that's why, you know, that's why, that's what Kickstarter is all about. And that's really why they want to support you.
0: That's true. It is about backers, isn't it? You know, I, I'm always surprised when I, when I've sent an email to the to a Kickstarter project person and, and I get a reply right away, I always think, Oh, you know, I'll get a reply tonight or tomorrow. And then it comes back right away. And I like, wow, that's nice. That's it's. I'm surprised. They must've been waiting for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You know, people, let's face it, you're asking for people to, to to pledge their hard-earned money toward your project, you know, that's the least that you can do is give them the, the respect of, you know, timely communication. That's the least you can do. That should be, you know, that's a requirement at the top of any creator's list, in my opinion.
0: Or of any communication, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... It's so, not hard to answer an email.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so I want to jump back a, a step. We're talking about the game. The uh, what what comes in the game? You've already mentioned there's a bunch of different types of cards, and you've hinted that there's dice in there.
1: Yeah. So it'll come with five dice, um, and one of the one of the sort of stretch goals is going to be for custom dice, mm-hmm. uh, which will actually have the success symbols on the five and six, and. We didn't talk about it, but that you can actually convert a four to to a success in the game, and it'll have a special symbol on that for the custom dice as well. Oh, very cool! Um, so that would be—I would love to hit that level. Uh, also, for the hostages, um, at the base level, they'll just be cubes. But if we hit a, a certain funding level, I want to upgrade those to kind of, you know, mini meeple pieces or or <laughs> some other kind of sort of human-looking figures um that'll add a little bit of of coolness to the game so there's those pieces and then there's um cubes to to track the different uh i guess not really resources but you're kind of managing you know like threat level will have a cube a threat marker uh conversation point track will have a marker
0: um and there's a board also isn't there i don't think you mentioned that Something oh yeah, to good track point.
1: On. Yeah, there's a tableau. So there's a hostage negotiator tableau that, which is where you track all of those things. Yeah, great point, Albert. So you have, you know, there's a threat dial, which is what you you kind of move the threat marker up. You know, it's a circle, so it kind of goes left to right, right to left, and then on the outside of that is the conversation point uh, track, which you'll be able to see all of this at the on the Kickstarter page, um, which also will have the full rules. Uh, so definitely go check that out if it sounds interesting to you guys um but and then also the hostages that kind of start in the middle in the hostage pool and it is as you save or or they get killed, you move them up or down um, to reflect that okay, so yeah, no good, good call out. so there's that, yeah, that's one of the components and then um that's I believe that's it for the pieces and the dice, and then the rest is cards. so there's conversation cards. Terror cards, uh, demands. So each abductor has different major demands, as well as there are escape demands, and those are also different from each game. And each abductor has their own set of demands. So another way to greatly vary the game from game to game. Um, and then I believe
0: that's it. Yeah. Okay. So how many cards is it total, roughly? Oh, let me look real quick. It's, it's, it's roughly...
1: More? Eh, it's a little more than that. Let me let, okay. let me look so I don't, don't say it wrong. Um, quick, man. Well, I can... Here, I have the contents right here, so I'll just walk down that. Uh, there's a rule book. There's three Abductor cards, a second-in-command, seven Major Demand cards, four Escape Demand cards, 21 Tarot cards, uh, six Pivotal Event Tarot cards, 22 conversation cards so that's probably quick math 60 ish a little over six between 60 and 70 cards mm,
0: Okay.
1: Um, let me see 20
0: 43 53 60 64 okay that's a nice number uh not too many and not too little the
1: yeah you know it's it's kind of mm-hmm. strange like it feels like when you play the game it feels like there's way more cards than that in the game
0: but yeah you haven't spread out across the table when you're playing yeah because you have conversations
1: yeah you haven't spread out and also that you know like the tarot cards there's 21 but there's only ever 10 in any game so you get a different mix and you know i've played the game you know hundreds of times and i still don't feel like Oh, I've seen this combination of terror cards before. Like it's just always between those and the demands being different. I mean, no game is ever the same.
0: Mm-hmm, that's right. I, I do remember as I'm playing, I was playtesting. Like I draw a terror card and it's, oh, I can't believe that happened. Well, as long as oh, I don't yeah. draw this other card next, i I think I'm okay. And I flip the next card. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a fun game. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm it. and excited. it's definitely
1: a game you you get better at over time, um, because you start to know kind of what different cards are in there. You can plan for the different scenarios, uh, so there's definitely it's definitely can be both tactical but also strategic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and I remember trying out different strategies on the conversations, and, you know, trying to figure out what strategies work well with one hostage taker and what strategies don't, and it's just there's a lot of options in the game. For such a small game that that's pretty impressive. Yes, uh, thank you. When is the when when do you expect it to be available?
1: Um so so Kickstarter is launching July 15th. I don't even know if we said that yet, but uh Kickstarter will actually launch then. Uh and then production times actually going to depend. I mean, if we if we don't get the fully produced level, uh, which I really hope we do, mm-hmm. but ultimately I want people to have the game and what's inside the box is what matters most. So, you know, it's not like the, the lower level box is going to be terrible or anything. It'll be sufficient. Um, but I, I really got to get this game out there into the people saying it's just such a good game. Um, but I digress. So, <laughs> so, um, I would expect that we'll complete, I mean, we'll complete funding You know, early August um, I think, and don't quote me, but I think I can have it to people, you know, maybe by the end of the year, but probably more likely, on uh, the first month or two of 2015. Um, so, but I'm going to shoot for the end of the year, but I mean, you know how it is with manufacturing. Yeah. It can, it can, so many things can happen. So, uh, you know, I'll have, a, I'll have the projected date on the, on the Kickstarter, Folks can look at, um, but that's a general sense of timing for you.
0: Gotcha, yeah. And yeah, if you get into December, then you might have issues with the holidays and all that.
1: Yeah, that's always a tough time to try to fulfill. Um, but you know, if I have them, I will get you know, you can ask the testing backers. I got them here and got them turned around. I mean, that's the next right. day I was shipping them, so
0: that's right. Yeah. I was surprised how fast I got my Tessin. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I I hit my I hit my deadline on that, so I learned a lot from the first project to that one.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, so, you know, this game is still uh, in the planning like phases, I guess. But do you have any other projects coming up?
1: Yeah, so um, I signed another game this year at Unpub. That's where I signed Tesla last year. Mhm. So this year I signed. Um, a game called Salvation Road and it's a cooperative game and it's, it's uh, inspired by the Mad Max universe. So essentially you are a group of, of heroes and survivors uh, in a compound kind of in a post, post-apocalyptic wasteland. And there's gangsters and marauders that kind of roam the desert and you are trying to collect resources because you've heard that, There is a town called Salvation that is safe from all these dangers. So the game is you're going out to these different locations, you know, abandoned warehouse, an airfield, a, uh, you know, sewers, there's sewer system, different things. And you're trying to collect food, ammo, med kits and um, and gas to, to to get the truck to salvation and each game, there's different road cards. So you'll need different resources um, each game. And you kind of have to go explore and figure out what the, you know, what the road to salvation holds for you and what kind of resources you're going to need. And so you're doing all that under the pressure of Marauder attacks and uh, death, famine, uh, war and um, pestilence. So you're taking wounds during the game and, you know, just everything kind of all builds up to you trying to make the trip to salvation. And then, you know, once that kind of access point happens, you you put your resources on the truck and you go and you kind of you go through the road cards and figure out, do we did we have enough resources to make it or not? Uh, so it kind of culminates into this climactic ending. Mm-hmm. Assuming you'd assuming you don't die before then, which can happen, but usually you get at least you kind of get a sense of hey we need to go now or we're gonna die next turn. Um, so it it's super awesome. Um, some really unique things like you're controlling uh, the standard way to play is players control two characters, one being a, a hero which has a, a special ability that is positive, positive. and there's also survivors which are you know for example. You know, there may be a uh, careless kid, and he, like, drops resources uh, when he goes back to the compound. So those are kind of people, you, you know, characters you have to sort of overcome their their hindrances. But they still get actions and things, so they can still, of course, help you. Um, so it kind of has a neat, that's kind of a pretty neat mechanic. Um,
0: that's very but cool. yeah,
1: it's Yeah, and it plays great solo, so um, keep an eye out for that.
0: It definitely, that sounds like a cool game. and do, So you actually do reach Salvation in the game. It, it, that's the goal, to actually reach a place.
1: Yeah, the goal is, is, is there's no points based or anything like that. It is, get your group to Salvation.
0: Not very cool, okay. Seems like there could be a sequel once you get to Salvation and find out it's not all that after all.
1: I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny that that may be a possibility. Awesome. <laughs>
0: Right, that sounds really cool. Is how how ready is this game? Does it still need some development, or are you ready to start that Kickstarter once you finish this no, one? And had a yeah, six so month break.
1: You're we're a little we're a little ways off. Um, we, it definitely is still in development. Uh just had some, took it to Origins, did some tests there. Uh, the designer duo uh, Mike Kelly and Peter Gooses, who their design studio is called MVP Board Games uh they've got it out to some blind testers so we're we're still tweaking and but we're we're in late beta i mean it's pretty polished it's just a matter of streamlining at this point so once that gets done we'll get cranking on art and and start prepping for the kickstarter uh probably probably early next year is my guess
0: okay very cool um you just mentioned art there remind me we didn't really talk about the art for hostage negotiator at all did we
1: no we didn't we should talk about that
0: yeah i know you had a picture early on of the cover and it had some mixed reviews and then you came up with another one and i i liked the first one it was a little strange and i liked it but then i saw the the new picture and i was like oh this is really cool
1: yeah i mean that's really kind of a good great story actually and a testament to you know what listening to your fans can do because you know i like you said i put the original cover out um and it mixed reviews is probably putting it kindly i think it was probably mostly negative reviews at least on boardgamegeek uh and that's people tend to be more honest there um so i kind of took a step back and reflected and said man do i need to think about changing this because that's not the reception i want when people see this game Uh, and so, you know, even though it was going to add costs and, you know, that's also one of the reasons the project was delayed a little longer, um, I decided, you know, I need to do this. And so I went back to the artist and told her, you know, here's the feedback, here's, you know, let's, here's what I think we should do. And we came up with the, actually a couple friends of mine, uh, in my game group really close, had some some great ideas along with the board game community. I think collectively between them is how we got to the concept of, you know, the negotiator on one side of the the cover and the, the abductor on the other. And together they sort of make one, one head.
0: Oh, I didn't Uh, realize that that was two people there.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So the the one on the right in the, or the left, I guess, as you're looking at it in the blue is the negotiator. He's got the, you know, he's got the sunglasses and everything on. And then, on the other side is the guy in a ski mask and in, in the on, in a shade and red, and that's the the abductor. Um, so it just it came out great, fantastic. I mean, you put the two side by sides, night and day. How much better the new one is. So I really have the I guess the the fans in the community of Borin Geek and and my friends to thank for you know and the artist of course for coming up you know it's the same artist and she just she knocked the, the other one out of the park
0: um, they're very so. different styles too I wouldn't have guessed it's the well, same the, artist
1: yeah it is Um, you know that was one of the things was the other one almost the first one kind of almost looked like photos uh, which you know but the the newer one's more of a brushed illustrated look uh, and it just looks great
0: Mm-hmm did did the same artist do the interior art? The card she did, it?
1: yeah. The... Christy Kirisberg is the artist. And I found her uh, on Board Game Geek, and she, you know, she's great. She did an awesome job on the art. Um, I think the you know the the art in the game is it is sort of that photorealistic a little bit look, uh, but it fits in the game. It's you know, no, I've had no complaints about the art inside the game now. I say that, and I know for a fact there will be people that don't like it because oh. art is subjective. Um, but overall, I mean, I think it's a really great look.
0: Cool, okay. Are you going to be releasing any more images between now and the Kickstarter? Not that anybody listening to this is, you know.
1: Uh, it, yeah, I'll, I'll. well, the, the thing is because I'm going on vacation, okay. uh, you know, here next week and then I'll be gone for a week so I'll only be back a few days before the Kickstarter um, but I'll, I'll start releasing content a, you know when I get back a couple of days before it launches uh, the video is going to be really awesome I have a, a good friend helping with that and I'm really excited I think it'll be the best Kickstarter video at least I've had for my projects um, so far so I'm excited
0: oh, okay I can't wait <laughs> I think I'm as excited as you are
1: oh man I don't know if that's possible, but <laughs> hey, I'll take it. It's, it's it's really exciting. I, of all the games I've done, I mean, I think as far as buzz goes, this one's had the most buzz, um, kind of leading up to the Kickstarter. So, I'm cautiously optimistic about what what will happen.
0: Very yeah, cool. I definitely wish you the best of luck and hope that the campaign does does very well. It makes a yeah. hundred thousand dollars. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know, then you can have other does, uh, things
0: to deal with, aren't you? <laughs> I think I might
1: be making abductor packs, you know, for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I'm excited, and you know, I really want to thank you for the contributions you made and just helping to get the word out about it. Um,
0: oh, my pleasure! And this, like I said, it's a great game. I think it deserves a any any good luck it has. Awesome. All right, well, AJ. I don't have anything else. If there's anything else you want to mention, um, no. Other
1: than I mean, just to thank everyone involved because I know a lot of a lot of those folks will be listening. Uh, I, well, I guess I'll say, uh, and it'll be on the Kickstarter page, but there's going to be some reviews. I sent um, preview copies out to to Morton Peterson, who's you know, you know, mm-hmm. most people in the solo community, co- community know him well. Um, Tracy Gilbert also, and, um, uh, Ricky box of delights. He did, he's done an awesome video, um, kind of review. So I can't wait for those to kind of be out in the wild and, and they will be by the time everyone's listening to this. So check those out. Um, those should, if I've failed at explaining how the game is, uh, it definitely, those definitely probably do a better job um so check them out
0: Mm -hmm. i'm not a big watcher of videos but i know they do thorough jobs
1: yeah i mean it just depends on what's in them but you know there's a lot of people that that's how they learn about games um and so uh, you know and not you know he did the video and, and morton he has his blog and he's done you know he'll do a written review um but there's definitely gonna be other opinions out there for for everyone to look at and to help them make the, their decision. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to back it unless they are excited and want to, you know, can't wait to play the game, and I think that'll be a lot of people, so I'm really excited.
0: Awesome. Well, make sure to send me any links you have once uh once you get them so I can include them in the show notes for this.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: All right, well, let's call it a night then. Th- thanks a bunch for coming and talking about the game. As oh, say, thank good you,
1: Robert. Oh, of course. Can't wait, to, can't wait to talk to you again for the next one.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Alright. Alright, man. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you haven't uh, already backed Hostage Negotiator, go do that right now. Okay. Today's game is Rory's Story Cubes. Though in all fairness, I don't really think of it as a game, so much as a creative activity. Rory Story Cubes were designed by Rory O'Connor and are published by a few different people. I believe mainly he self-publishes them in the UK and the USA available via Game right. There's A few different versions of the game available. Um, but they're all basically the same. What Rory Story Cubes is is a bunch of dice with pictures. Each of the three base sets Bring nine dice each, all with unique pictures. So there's some simple ideas for how to play with it. It's really, it's I think it's do whatever you want with them. Um, for example, you could roll them and roll nine dice and try and come up with a movie title from those nine dice. Uh, they suggest using them to come up with stories. Put all the nine dice together and come up with a story. Uh, let's try something like that now. Hang on. Okay, I've got my nine cubes here in hand, and I am gonna roll them. These are the basic sets. I rolled a, okay, I rolled a fish, an alien, a lock, an arrow, an airplane. Um, maybe it's a credit card, a shooting star, a beetle, and a book. So now I'm gonna look at these nine dice and see what I could come up with it could be a story as complex or simple as you want. For the sake of this, let's just make it simple. Okay, so I'm going to start with the alien and the shooting star. I'm going to say, once upon a time, there are aliens that came from space. And they populated the Earth with fish and bugs. And then they left on their spaceship. And to do that story, I used... Five dice, the alien, the once upon a time they were aliens, and they came from space. Space is a shooting star. They populated the planet with fish and bugs, which is the fish and the beetle, and then the left in their spaceship, which I use the airplane to represent the spaceship. Um so yeah, that wasn't much of a story, but there you go. that's just an, a quick idea of how you could use them. I think the important thing is to be creative and not be too limited by the dice. Now, I've been wanting to talk about these for a while because I think they're just super cool. I don't, I don't know what it is about them, but I just really like them. Just because they're neat, nice, chunky dice with pictures. Um, but what I have been doing lately with them is using them along the role-playing game to have a solitaire RPG experience. And the way I've been doing that, um, currently I am doing it with uh, Cosmic Patrol by Catalyst Game Labs. This is a pulp fiction, pulp science fiction, uh, game set in the 40s and 50s. More or less. And the way I've been playing that solo is, I am basically writing a story set in that universe, and I, I basically, I started and I just picked a, an adventure, and I said, okay, this is the sort of thing I want to do. I'm a guy... How did I come up with the beginning? Well. I came up with a story by looking at the book and getting an idea, though I could have just easily made up my own uh, idea for for what adventure I wanted to play. And I just started writing out my story as I thought it was going, and whenever I get to a point where I kind of feel I need help making a decision, something that would be unknown to me, for example, I will roll nine dice at random. You know, I have three sets of dice, of these, of the... I have a total of 27 different dice, so I will pick 9 of those and roll them, and then from those 9, I pick 3 and use them for to decide what happens next. And I find it works really well. Let me see if I can give you an example. Let me not give you an example now. Um, I will give examples of how I did this later on. I haven't finished my adventure yet, but once I do, I will publish this as a blog post, probably on the podcast... page, or maybe in BGG or somewhere, and show you the story and how I roll dice to use it. There are other ways to use this for RPGs. For example, I know there is the 9-Q system. In that one, it is similar. You roll nine dice, and then you set up, break them into three groups of three, and then use them. However, it's a bit more formal in that it divides the an adventure into three parts in which... You, you use three dice for each part to help you guide the story. I think it's still generally the same idea, though. You're writing a story. Um, it's a creative writing experience. And you're using some role-playing game as a framework and then using the dice to help, help you guide the game wherever you get things that will be unknown to you as a player, but will be known to you as a GM. Um... So it's basically Rory Story Cubes. So as I said, there's three sets with nine dice each. The first one is the basic one, it comes in an orange box. Um, it's just a bunch of miscellaneous pictures, I think. The second one is called Actions. And all the dice, this one comes in a blue dice. And the um, images are all generally stick figures doing some sort of action. The third set is called Voyages. And as you can imagine, this is all themed around voyages and travel and that sort of thing. Then besides those three sets, there's three small sets with three dice each. One's called Clues, one's called Enchanted, and one is called Prehistoria. So that's a total of about 36 dice that are available right now if you manage to get all those. The three small sets are not available in the U.S. directly. Right now I believe those are only published by the Creativity Hub, which is the company that publishes them in the U.K., Um, you can find them, for example, if you look on Amazon, they're available for about $5 each, plus shipping. Probably about a little less than 20 for all of them. Which is not bad, because I know they were a little more expensive just a month ago. There is also a giant size set. My local game store has the, the basic, the orange box. And it's a it's probably at least double the size of the one I have here with the standard size. And it might be even a little bit bigger than that. It sure looks good. It's only 20 bucks for the nine gigantic dice. Alright, so that's Rory Story Cubes. Um, It's a great way to play an RPG solo. I think it is. I don't know if it'll work with all RPGs or not, but I think it'll work pretty well. You could use it if you want to play a single character. You could use it if you want to play more. The thing to keep in mind, well, the thing to keep in mind, as I said, is it's really a creative writing process using a role-playing game as a framework and dice to help guide the story. Uh, and i've i've said this before and i think when you're playing a solo rpg generally you want to write your adventure down unlike a board game where you just sort of play through it and experience it and move on i think with rpgs you get the most out of it if you write it down in detail as you're going along i will once i finish my my adventure i will publish that so you can see exactly what i did I will have everything written out that I rolled with pictures of the dice I rolled at each point where I rolled them. Oh, I should also mention, the game is also... Well, Rory Story Cubes are also available as an app for iPhone and Android. Um, It's I believe the basic one is free, or it might be a couple dollars, and then you could add on the different dice sets. Currently, it only has the three large sets available, not the three small ones. Um. All right, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.